worship him hallelujah we worship you we worship you we worship you lord we magnify you lord we worship you lord we worship you we worship you we worship you hallelujah lord why don't you just thank him for the blood hallelujah thank him for the blood thank him for the blood we thank you for the blood, the blood of Jesus, <laughs> redeemed, 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 <laughs> purchased, such a great price, <laughs> the blood of your dear son, Jesus, poured out for me, <laughs> thank you for the blood, we thank you for the blood, we thank you for the blood, the blood, everybody say the blood. Thank you for the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We Hallelujah. We thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify your holy name tonight. Father, we thank you for miracle signs and wonders. We thank you for the best gifts in operation tonight. We covet and desire earnestly for the gifts of the Spirit to move as you will, for the operations of the Spirit to flow as you desire in the right direction that you have. We come here ready, but we come here ready to abandon our plans just so that you can have your way and have your will in this service. Thank you for the move and the flow of the Holy Spirit. We'd rather have that than anything else. We're willing to get out of the way. We're willing to sit down and let you take control, and that's what we desire for you. We thank you, though, for unction. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you anoint these lips of clay. I thank you, Lord, that I'm anointed. I thank you that this congregation is anointed. There's a corporate anointing here to remove every burden, destroy every yoke. In the mighty name of Jesus, and all of that was purchased by the payment price of the shed blood of your son, Jesus. We thank you. It's ours freely, and we receive it now in Jesus' name. We thank you for such a great and wonderful flow in this place. We make a demand on that. We make a demand. We make a pull on the anointing today. Come on, just pull right now. Just have we desire and we pull and we make a demand on the anointing to flow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Good to have everybody here. I don't know if you've come ready to receive and come expecting, but I'm ready to flow. Praise God. And I'm ready to receive myself. You know, if you didn't come ready to receive, well, you might ought to start doing that. It'll help you. It'll change the way you leave this place. <laughs> Praise God if you just change the way you come into this place. But usually on a Sunday evening, you have people that are really, really expecting something from the throne of heaven. And so we're so glad that you're here. We've designated these once a month as meetings that are faith and healing rallies. So we will lay hands on the sick tonight. If you come here for a miracle, if you desire to have hands laid on you, we may lay hands on the entire building tonight. It's not like we have the largest crowd to where we can't get through everybody, but we can impart to everybody tonight. And I believe you'll receive something by the word of God as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, starting in verse 1. This morning, we talked about a heritage of faith. I am so, so glad that I was raised up in Pentecost. <laughs> I'm glad that at a young age that uh, my parents had me around a church where there were tongue-talking people. Yes. Hallelujah. And I wouldn't trade that heritage for anything. I'm glad that we were around the power of God. I wouldn't change that, trade that. I couldn't sell that or trade it for any other experience. And because of that, I continue to contend for the move of the Holy Ghost. And we'll continue to do so in this place and in this church as well. And it has to do as much with me as it does with you. Hallelujah. I said it has to do as much with me as it does with you. We, we're in this together. And, you know, we, we live in a uh, cancel culture. <laughs> you know, you've heard that phrase, cancel culture. Everything's being canceled out. History. I've got friends that canceled, canceled out some church culture. Once they got new revy of something, they threw away all their faith books. <laughs> You know, I'm not kidding with you. I'm not using that as something, you know, this is something that actually happened to some friends of ours, Rama churches, threw out Brother Hagin's books, got rid of them, moved on to something new. I know people that moved on to something new and got rid of the Holy Ghost because they were afraid of, you know, offending people. Or they wanted something new to attract more people and they use a back room so they don't offend anybody and kind of privately push people on that. Say, if you want the power of God, we got that to offer to you. But, uh, you know, we want to be a little bit soft, so they've canceled out certain things. Really, the, the world didn't start the cancel culture. The church did. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but there's been things that have been canceled out. But we're going to endeavor not to cancel out the Holy Ghost in this place and the move of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. We desire for the power of God to flow in free fashion, whatever God wants to do. Now, we've seen a lot of wildfire. You know, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff, but I'd, I'd rather have a little bit of crazy stuff than nothing at all. Hallelujah. We can deal with the crazy stuff. We can deal with the wildfire a little bit. And I'd rather some of you get on a little bit of a, a fire streak a little bit too. Praise the Lord. It's possible that you get kind of used to just having teaching. And teaching's good, but you know, after a while, the teaching of the Word of God produces fruit. And you've got to be ready at that time to yield and to respond to the move of the Spirit because that's the Spirit of God wanting to manifest the seed of the Word that's been planted maybe for weeks. And then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost is moving and you've got to yield to the promptings of that. So it's important to be a Word church and a Holy Ghost church at the same time. And you've got to be ready to respond when the Spirit gets to moving. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That's just a little bit of free instruction, but... You know, if it's, uh, you're prompted to dance, then dance. If you're prompted to shout, then shout. If uh, something happens while you're sitting there hearing the word of God, your ears pop open or tumor just all of a sudden leaves, it's all right to disrupt the service and shout. You say, well, I never seen it like that. Well, we were just up in Canada not too long ago, and a person who was deaf in one ear all of a sudden started shouting, and I thought, who's that distracting my preaching? 
and they're screaming, I can hear, I can hear, I can hear, and all of a sudden things started popping. It's possible that when faith is, you know, being developed through hearing of the word of God on the inside of you, that there's a prompting on the inside of you to, to reach out and grab hold of what God has for you. So be ready for that at any time. Can you say amen? Now, let's read here. We're going to read a few scriptures. We're going to flow with the Holy Ghost, see what he has. Can you say amen? See which direction we're going to go. The Bible says here in verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now, in the original translation, it just says now concerning spirituals. Or you could say this, one translation said, now concerning the things of the Spirit. I would not have you ignorant or misinformed or stupid. In other words, God wants you to have an understanding concerning the things of the Spirit. It's possible that you can be, and I heard this in my spirit, this is for somebody. It's possible that you can be highly developed in the mental arena and ignore living out of your spirit and have been very successful. Even some of you have been successful with living from up here, but God wants to take you to another level and take you into another realm even concerning business, but you got to get out of your head. You're used to flowing in that realm. You're used to flowing out of that mental arena. But I want to take you to another level where there's a limitless realm for you that will take you into places that you've yet to be in. So learn to live out of your belly, out of your spirit. For I, the spirit, has a way for you that will be almost unreasonable to your mental arena it'll make no sense but if you'll flow with me and learn to flow in that direction everything that I do for you it'll be recognized as though I did it instead of you doing that or you with your skill and your ability doing it I want to take you to places and rooms that you've never been to but you must learn to live out of your spirit and not out of your head saith the Lord and if you'll learn to develop a hearing ear for my voice, I'll take you to those places even quickly in your life and in every arena of your life. And you'll look back and say, I'm so glad I did that and made those investments into the realm of the spirit because it saved you. <laughs> and it brought you to places that you could never, ever get to out of the mental arena. I have a place of prosperity for you, says the Lord. I have a place of abundance for you. And it's much easier than what you can calculate and reason in your own thinking. I have a thought. I have a way, says the Spirit of the Lord. Learn to follow that way. And I'll take you there. And it'll bring me glory. And others will see it. And they'll come running to the grace that I put on your life. And that's what the Spirit of the Lord would say. That's for more than one person. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Did you receive that? Put your hands to heaven and thank God for it. Hallelujah. And, and so that being said, yeah, Lord, <laughs> I can see if that's for me, I want to learn to be in tune with the Spirit. I want to learn to be developed in the ways of the Spirit. I want to learn what those ways look like. I don't want my mind or the mental arena to interfere with that. I want to learn to flow in the river even when it goes against human reasoning. I want to learn that that's my comfort zone. 
not the way I think or the way I feel, but I'm comfortable with the way he flows. Glory to God. And as you get comfortable with the way he flows, you'll find yourself in an easy flow of prosperity, an easy flow of deliverance for every area of your life. Glory, glory, glory. Someone give God a shout. Now I said, now concerning the things of the Spirit, brethren, I would have would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus cursed, that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Everybody say every man. Every man. Manifestation of the Spirit of God is given to every man to profit with all. So you have the things of the Spirit, the move of the Holy Ghost that's given to us, given to all of us, so that we could profit. Hallelujah. It's pretty clear right there. And he says, for one... Is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing. Notice the word gifts there's in, in plural. It's a plural. It's plural. That's, that's, that's more than one different uh, ways that God can get healing through a supernatural gift and an anointing to you. Glory to God. It doesn't all look the same. And it's by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now, it is the will of God for people to be healed. It is the will of God for miracles it is the will of God for revelation so prophecy tongues interpretation that's the will of God for things to be revealed unfolded to you that is the will of God and the spirit divides that to every man severally as he directs so that's what that's saying under the direction of the Holy Spirit he will direct the administration of these gifts through every man, and it's for the profit of all. And so could you agree with me that in these days, as the church, we need the gift of faith in operation. We need the gifts of healings in operation. You are the church, not just through the man of God, not just through the preacher, but through the congregation. Could it be that every one of us, on any given day, as the Lord directs, could it be that we're used in this fashion where there's prophecy or there's tongues or interpretation? These are not just reserved for the evangelist. These are not just reserved for the prophet. These are not just reserved for the pastor or the teacher or the apostle. These are reserved for the children of God. These are not specially gifted. Now, some have different gifts as a five-fold minister that they operate and flow in. Others will flow in others more frequent, other gifts. I'm not saying that, but 
These gifts are available to every believer. Hallelujah. I've heard some people say, well, you know, some people uh, are speaking tongues, but God just doesn't give me that gift. Well, no, the Holy Ghost is for everybody. I said the Holy Ghost for everybody. Well, you say, well, can I have the Holy Ghost without speaking in other tongues? Well, when you get born again, you get the Holy Ghost. But you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A little bit different. And with fire. And so when you get filled and baptized in the Holy Ghost, you get tongues with it. It's kind of like when you buy shoes. People say, I like to buy those shoes, but do I have to have the tongues with it? Well, that comes with the shoes. So when you get the Holy Ghost, you get tongues with it. That's... That's a subsequent experience that comes along with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's not one of these nine gifts of the Spirit. That's something that happens automatically when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. But when you're born again, you have the Holy Ghost whether you're filled or not. You understand what I'm saying? Because it takes the Holy Spirit to get you born again. The Bible says by one Spirit... You've been baptized into the body of Christ. So it's by way of the Spirit that he baptizes you into the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how Paul could say, I was buried with Christ in, in, in death and in baptism, and I've been risen together with Christ because that experience of conversion is taking place when the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, regenerates your spirit and makes you alive unto God. It's not a water baptism. It is a spiritual regeneration where God, by his spirit, glory to God, makes the stony heart alive towards God. Hallelujah. So technically, every believer has an experience of the Holy Ghost. But there is a baptism. There is a fire baptism. There is a Holy Ghost coming upon you where you get filled with power and speak with other tongues like that upper room experience that is not reserved for one moment but there are times of refreshing when that same spirit can come upon you and fill you up all the way from your belly out of your mouth and you begin to speak in other tongues like they did in that upper room glory to God and through that God and his power begins to flow and manifest in many different ways. Now these gifts of the Spirit, like the gift of faith, like the working of miracles, like the gifts of healings, like prophecy and tongues, interpretation, so on and so forth, all nine of those uh, outflowings, those giftings of the Spirit are for the church. They're for the believers. Can you say amen? Do we need that today? Yes, we do. Are there people that come into the church and need miracles? Yes. But should we reserve it just for the church? No. We should take this to the outside. There are people in Home Depot that need a miracle. There are people in Walmart that need a healing. A lot of people in the Hemet Walmart need a lot of things. Deliverance, casting out of devils, all kind of... Well, I found out you need it here in Marietta too and you need it in Temecula and all other places. There are devils in every city. And so there's discernment that you need. Do you know that? You need the gift of discernment and a word of knowledge to flow. Boy, if you're raising kids, you need those gifts to be in operation. Can you agree with that? And some people say, well, what can I do about that? How can I 
prompt that. Well, you don't just turn the switch on, but you can use your faith towards these things. You don't just all of a sudden make something up because if you're not uh, too careful with that, you get into the flesh and you can yield over to familiar spirits. There's ministers today that stand behind this desk, not this particular desk, but others, and they may give you a word of knowledge or they may know you know your last name or know what kind of cigarettes you smoke or know what your last drink was and, and they use their gift to really condemn you and kind of shame you to the altar or whatever, that happens. But they might know your cousin's name in prison and this and that and we get all impressed sometimes with some of that and some may be true and some may not be but some actually bring attention more to the man or the person up there that's revealing these things rather than bringing attention to Jesus. And that's the telltale sign of a familiar spirit. Because anytime a miracle or a gift of the spirit is flowing and it brings attention to the man, it's not of God. Because these giftings are to bring attention to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. Anytime a man will use those gifts to profit from them and fill their pocket up, you know that's a wrong spirit. That's a familiar spirit. I believe a workman is worthy of his hire. I believe if you preach by the gospel, you should live by the gospel. But I know during certain movements and healing movements, I know people that, you know, would, would, would give a word of prophecy and all of a sudden their pockets would be filled with cash and stuffed with cash. And then they would make statements that they got the world at their hands. They've got the entire world at their hands and they took that power and brought attention to themselves. And even people that we've heard about and read about that had great miracles, all of a sudden, they were taken out. It wasn't that God took them out, but their life was short-lived. Because the moment you take the glory for something, you get into another realm and you're messing with the wrong person. You start messing with the wrong spirit and devils. There are familiar spirits out there. Don't be impressed when a prophet gets up and knows your name or knows certain things. Line things up with the word of God. Make sure that it brings attention to Jesus and gives Jesus glory. Because there's going to be many people that come saying, thus saith the Lord. There's going to be a lot of people that come giving direction here or there. And you've got to make sure that you have an understanding of the ways and the move of the Spirit. That any time the Spirit of God moves, it will always line up with the word of God. Because Jesus said, when the comforter comes, he will testify of me. In other words, he's going to bring attention to me. He's not going to bring attention to a man. He's not going to bring attention to a prophet. He's not going to bring attention to, you know, I know some people that wanted a prophet's anointing so bad, they'd clean their shoes or do whatever it took. I remember traveling with a prophet one time, and we were in Houston, Texas, and we woke up real, I woke up real early outside my room, and I was next to my, uh, you know, my pastor's room, and there was a lady that was laying down right there by the room so she can get as close as she could to the crack of the door so that possibly the anointing on his life could go through that and she could get a portion of that and we had to call security because you know there's weirdos everywhere trying to get a man's anointing but you can get the Holy Ghost and I'd much rather have the anointing of the Holy Ghost it's in fact it's the same anointing you can get it from the same place but you don't have to <laughs> how do I put this some of these people the moment the man of God took a hard right their nose broke 
if you know what I'm saying. And that's the problem, is we've got too much attention on man than we do on Jesus. But when the Holy Ghost gets to moving and the Spirit of God gets to flowing, it always brings attention to Jesus, always gives glory to him. He said, when the Comforter comes, he will testify of me. Come on, someone give God a shout. He said, well, what can I do about that? How can I build up my faith? Because I want to flow in these things. But I don't desire for these things to uh, bring attention to me. Well, first and foremost, this is something we would pray and we do pray before our meetings. We just say, Lord, I covet and desire earnestly the gifts of the Spirit to be, opera be operating. And we take ourselves out of the equation. We say, let the Spirit of God operate and function through your body. Because some people, they get real... They get real uh, desirable of these things so that they could have some attention you know it seems to be in church and in ministry there's always people that want the pulpit attention there's always people that want to get attention they like to grab attention they like it on them but what makes a good minister is someone who would shy away from the attention and desire for all of the attention to be put on Jesus and those are the kind of vessels that God could say I could use you in this arena with the gifts of the spirit but what we would do is take ourselves out of the equation and say, God, let your best gifts, whatever's needed at the time, flow not just through us, but if it's your vessel, Scotty, or if it's Raina, or if it's someone else in the church, if it's Brother David, Lord, flow through them because they're vessels as well. But through your body, let the gifts of the Spirit be in operation. Now look at the very last verse of this chapter and notice what it says. It says, but covet earnestly, y'all get anything out of this? Covet or desire earnestly the best gifts and yet, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now notice that, that verse can throw you because you look at the word best gifts there and you think, well, there might be one that's better than the other. Well, what, what does that imply? Because all of the gifts are good gifts. Well, if someone, you know, has the flu, they don't need a miracle, they need a healing. If someone's missing a leg, they don't need a healing, they need a miracle. Or they might need both. And so whatever gift is needed would be the best gift, right? If someone needs something revealed, what would be the best gift for that? Probably not the gifts of healing, probably a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, correct? And so whatever the best gift is, is what's needed at the moment. But notice what he said here. He said, covet, this is something you're allowed to covet. This is something you're allowed to desire. This is something you're, that, that in the scripture you can actually be uh, put your faith on and say, God, I desire for this. I'm hungry for this. I want this in operation. If it's needed in my home for me to know where my children are at, I desire for the gifts of the Spirit to flow. If it's needed in my home to know what's going on with with certain things, then I desire for these gifts to be in operation, the best gifts, right? I like what the TPT translation says. He said, we should all boil over with passion seeking the higher gifts. Isn't that good? We should all what? Boil over with passion seeking the higher gifts. Now, that can be a misplaced desire, Yet there's a lot of people that have a desire and a passion for spiritual things to take place. They go off on certain tangents, and I'm going to talk about a couple of those tonight if I could, that really can be misleading and a waste of time spinning your wheels 
and flesh. For example, uh, and I want to deal with this in a certain way, we have this new thing in the body of Christ that people are doing called grave soaking. Anybody ever heard of that? Yeah, and it's not really new. People have been doing it for a while. One person called it grave sucking or mantle grabbing. So you've got grave soaking, you've got grave sucking, and they're not literally sucking the tombstone, but what they will do is they will find a general or they will find a man of God or a woman of God, let's say Catherine Kuhlman, they'll find out where her tombstone is, and they'll lay on that and they'll just soak there and sit there until they feel like they're getting her mantle. There's a problem with that. <laughs> There's a real problem with that. You say, how is this going to help me in a faith and healing route? You'll see, it'll help you. But we, we, we don't want to get in a ditch either. Yet, we still want to be hungry for the move of the Spirit. But we don't want to have misplaced hunger. We still want to desire the gifts of the Spirit to operate. But we don't want to be stupid and weird and ignorant concerning the things of the Spirit. I'm not against soaking and saturating under the glory and all these things, but I don't have to go to a man of God's grave to get their anointing. I don't need their anointing. I have my own anointing. And that anointing is not from a man, it's from the Holy Ghost. Now God can use a man, but I'm not, I'm not discrediting that, but I'm not giving attention to that either. I've been in meetings where the name of Jesus might have been mentioned, might have been mentioned, might have been mentioned once, and the man of God and his anointing was mentioned thousands of times within those meetings. So it's important that the attention is brought on Jesus. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is you don't have a grave to go lay on. You don't have a grave to go sucking on. You don't have to go grabbing. It, you know, can you imagine these things? We know a person who actually, uh, we, there, was, there was a meeting in Oklahoma, and they, had, they would form a bridge with people, and they would hold these numbers. We were wondering, what are these numbers? They were house numbers. They were the address numbers that someone pulled. The, the minister actually stole the numbers off of Smith Wigglesworth's house. And said, if you, they, they stole them and said, if you walk under this bridge, you will get their anointing. I'm thinking, that's all good, but where did he get his anointing? Because I want to go to the source. I'd rather go to the source of the anointing than have to go to the men. Now, it's different if the Spirit of God leads you to a place where you're sitting under a ministry and you're catching something that God put on them. I am not against that. I'm not talking against that. We need that equipment. We need those joints to supply. You need supernatural giftings that God puts on a man. That's a whole nother message. But we don't need to be so caught up in man that we're chasing after graves and we're laying on tombstones trying to get an anointing that the blood of Jesus purchased freely for you. You don't have to lay on a grave. There's an empty tomb and there's a resurrection that says there's a free anointing of the Holy Ghost that you don't have to pay for, beg for, grab after, or soak for. <laughs> are you listening to me 
And so this soaking, sucking, grabbing type of ministry is a performance-based religion that's trying to get something that they don't really have an understanding of what they've already got. You're already anointed right now. Hallelujah. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the Spirit of God on you and he is the minister of that anointing. Hallelujah. And he will divide severally as he wills. Praise God. You don't have to chase after these things. You can boil over with a desire and a passion for it, but don't get stupid. And that's the same way with healing. Don't think that you have to jump through hoops to get your healing. He said yes to you over 2,000 years ago. You don't have to do a bunch of spiritual gymnastics to try to receive something from God. You can come down and take freely what the blood of Jesus has provided for you. There's no difference than laying on a grave than doing these other performance-based religious works trying to get something that's already been paid for. All you got to do is receive it by faith. Woo! Y'all getting something out of this? Well, let me give you some examples. Let me give you a scripture here. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 through 5. Hallelujah. I literally seen a blog, and there's this guy that's calling out for a dead man's mantle. And it all sounded really good. It did. It sounded like really good using faith confession and this and that. I'm thinking, can we use our faith according to the scripture that we just read? God, you said I can covet earnestly for the best gifts to be in operation. I desire for that to flow in the body of Christ. I'm a part of the body of Christ. If you choose to use me, I'm ready. Could you not use your faith for that? You know, we started when we were on the road preaching. We were praying that before every meeting. And we started expecting to see those things in operation and they did and they began to multiply. But what was that? Well, it was two things. We'd go down to the cemetery every night. I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> and then we cleaned our pastor's shoes. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's wrong. I, I did that until I rubbed through the, the finish on the shoe, and he said, no more, and I started taking him to somebody to do that. But I was, that was my job to do that, <laughs> so it wasn't, I, I would have done that, and I would do that for any of you all, just like Jesus would wash your feet. You understand? That's more of, I'm not trying to purchase something or get something from you through being faithful to you. I think we should be faithful one to another anyway. I think we should prefer one another. I think we should be willing to give to one another. We should be willing to bless one another. We should be willing to go out of our way for one another. If we can't do it for one another, then if you're doing it for just one man, then we'd have to possibly check your motive and why you're doing that. Because if you're able to do that for one another and it just comes natural, then you'd probably do it for the guy on the street too. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Look here, Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. Y'all getting something out of this? And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, bringeth them up to a high mountain apart, and, and he was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, 
and his raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared unto them Moses, Elias, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said, said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou will, let us make three tabernacles here, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice of the cloud which came out, came out from the cloud and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now, was there anything wrong with Moses? Was there anything wrong with Elias? In fact, both of them were anointed. We know Moses stretched forth his rod. We could talk about different miracles that took place, but that's, that's a pretty powerful you know, miracle when he stretched forth his rod, split the Red Sea, divided it. I mean, that took an anointing to do that. There was an anointing to lead and shepherd and pastor that large flock. There was an anointing on Moses, right? And so here you got Peter saying, man, we got, we got all three of you here. Let's make a tabernacle. And there was a shadow that overshadowed the two of them. And God spoke and said, we're not doing away with them, but we're moving on into a new dispensation where you don't follow after a man's anointing under the old dispensation. God anointed kings, priests, and prophets. But now we're under the dispensation of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so did Elias have Elijah and Elisha, these prophets, did they have some powerful miracles? Man, did they ever. And so Peter probably heard about these and said, wow, man, you're still alive. If not, I'm going to lay on your grave. But being that you're here, let's make a temple for you, you, and you, Jesus. And God spoke and put a shadow over the two of them and said, we're moving on from that. There's a greater anointing. This is my beloved son. Hear him. So we went from the law with Moses, right? And we went from the prophets, and now we're in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important that as we hunger for the move of the Spirit, that we don't go backwards. Come on, somebody. Into a soaking, sucking, grabbing type of relationship with the anointing and forget about Jesus. The title of today's message is Soak, Suck, and Grab. I'm just kidding. It's too late to edit that. It came out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Check this out. This is the Old Testament. You could understand why they'd want to make a temple for Elisha. Look here in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20. <laughs> I'm just going to move forward. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I ain't gonna lay on, I'm not going to lay on someone's grave. I don't even like the cemetery. I don't like the hospital. Look here. This is interesting. We see this. Elisha died. And they buried him. 
and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. We're soaking for verse 20. Okay, there it is. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, check this out. They spied a band of men and they cast the man who was dead into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man, where'd we go? <laughs> Verse 21. They cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood upon his feet. Wow, think about that. So this might be where they're getting their soaking doctrine. But is it reverse? Yeah. Is there more power in an empty tomb prophet who is Jesus than a dead prophet who has the residue of anointings who was anointed? This is true. This is in the Bible. They put a dead man in his sepulcher and that anointing's on his bones and all of a sudden that dead man began to walk and be alive, man. That's powerful. But do we have to go backwards? Man, think about this. If God has an anointing on a dead prophet, what about a living prophet today? Hallelujah. What about our prophets and ministers today? Not just five-fold ministers, but you're a minister. Hallelujah. And the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is on you. Hallelujah. Why are we pointing people to graves when we could point to an empty grave that produced an anointing of the Holy Ghost that is active through his body right now? Hallelujah. Could it be that this would be a shadow of foretelling of what happens when we accept the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That when you receive Jesus, you're buried in baptism into his death and there's a power on that death that puts the old man down and through the resurrection, you become a brand new person. That's what that's saying. That's, but we want to bring attention to some mystical power and anointing that we see on a man. And could that be what Peter was saying? Man, I heard stories about his bones in his sepulcher and they put a, they put a man that was dead in his tomb and he started walking. Let's make a tabernacle for him. And God said, hear my son only. Was there anything wrong with Elisha? No. Was there anything wrong with Moses? No, but there's something better about this new dispensation to where we don't have to go back to a performance-based, anointing, sucking, soaking, grabbing, manipulation, begging. That's the right word for it because really we look like a bunch of beggars trying to get something that we don't have a revelation of what we already have. If you are a tongue talker, baptized, Holy Ghost filled believer, you have the anointed, 
the Spirit upon you, within you. You got an unction from the Holy One. You have the ability to flow in realms, glory to God, that you've, that, that you've never flowed into before, but you've got to get an understanding for it, a knowing, and then start walking in that, start saying that out of your mouth. We need that today, don't we? We need the church flowing in that. We need the church flowing in that. Not the minority, not the preacher, but we need preachers that will teach people and empower people to walk in that because these are the days of the harvesting. These are the days of evangelism. These are the, we were talking about that in some of the, the, the strong churches that we've affiliated with online and different friends in ministry where there's really a strong flow during this COVID time. They're having a strong flow because they desire to have outreach ministry. Why would God give you power if you're not willing to go do the work that requires the power? I'm, you would have to question why you want to have such a strong anointing on your life. Is it just so you could be seen, so others could see how spiritual you are? Or do you really want that power to flow through you into some a motorcycle, you know, group that don't know Jesus that has their heart hardened and all of a sudden Smitty comes up to them and he's been desiring the gifts of the Spirit to flow and he starts saying some things and their ears perk up and now their hearts are open for the gospel and the love of God starts flowing and they drop to their knees in, in an essence and say, what must I do to have what you got? What must I do to be saved? Could it be that we get a team of people that desire to work an all-call event where we see hundreds and hundreds of young people get saved that say, I desire the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation because we don't need 130 decisions that, where they write on a card and say, I received Jesus. We actually need a move of the power of God where there's conversions that take place and no longer are they hell-bound, but they're heaven-bound and a fire of God goes into them. We need workers today that are empowered with the power of the Holy Ghost but our motive's got to be right our motive, this is part of my vision this is a part of what we're called to do to empower you that other churches might be different where you're set up so that you can empower the preacher I don't need you to empower me That's, my job is to, to empower you and equip you for the work of the ministry and if you're hungry to do it without using tackle uh, you know, fishing tackle, if you're fishers of men, that, that, is, that is the world's way, and you'd like to use the power of God instead to start reaching people, glory to God, then you'll start getting hunger. You'll start getting a passion and a boiling over in your spirit for the gifts of the spirit to be in operation because miracles, signs, and wonders, and all of these gifts and movings of their spirit are the dinner bell for souls. The world needs to see, not a soothsayer, not a levitator, not a bunch of people that can read your mail. They need to see the power of God that'll reveal Jesus to them. You can go to a carnival somewhere and find a familiar spirit. We don't need a carnival at church. We need a church that's hungry for the move of God, hallelujah, where God will touch people, heal people, deliver people, glory to God. Woo! <laughs> And so what happened in Elijah's day is good, but we're in a different day. It's a better day. It really is. It's a better day. Hallelujah. Jesus is anointed. 
I said, Jesus is anointed. Can I give you a few scriptures that will help you? You've heard these before, but let's, let's go through them. Look here in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Let's talk briefly about the anointing, then let's, let's flow in the Holy Ghost, minister to people, and people get set free. Can you say amen? amen. How many come you want to get set free tonight? <laughs> you got some areas in your life you want to be touched by God? Tonight's your night. Hallelujah. There's an anointing here, and it's not pointing at me. It's the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're in a dispensation where he says yes to you, and he freely wants to flow into your life and set you free tonight. Hallelujah. Notice what he said here in verse 27, and it shall come to pass in that day. How about today? Yes. That's, that's, he's talking about right now. Not tomorrow. Not after you soak for 20 minutes. Not after you've been to Forest Lawn and camped out. <laughs> we don't need a Forest Lawn ministry. <laughs> We're taking the church van. Anyone that wants a stronger anointing, Forest Lawn, 10 a.m., Going to the Paris Cemetery. I remember a preacher out there. He's out there. Man, he flowed good. We need his mantle. <laughs> this is stupid. Where do you think that mantle came from? <laughs> Hallelujah. How about right now, though, about this scripture? Today. It shall come to pass that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of not the soaking, not the sucking, not the grabbing, but the anointing. How's that going to flow? The believing. Not the begging, but the believing. Not the begging, but the faith. Right? Faith in what? Right now, Today, there is a yoke-destroying, burden-removing, anointing, and it's not because I prayed so much, and it's not because I got the address from Smith Wigglesworth home, and I've got those numbers in my house, and my house is now more anointed. No, no, no. That's all good if you felt led to do that, but I don't need that address. Not because I've been to the Holy Land or whatever. That's all good. You might get a revelation that's stronger from being there, but maybe you've never been there. Maybe you've just been to your own upper room experience and you had a move of the Holy Ghost in your life, right? And that anointing in this day is a yoke-destroying, burden-removing anointing. What kind of yoke? Sickness and disease is a yoke. Poverty is a yoke. Burdens, all these kind of things that come on your shoulders, and all of a sudden you start caring, and you start wondering if things are going to change, and it binds you, and they hold you down. When you recognize that you don't need someone else's anointing to get free from that, but you are anointed right now. And that anointing on your life can flow if you'll begin to speak faith. Hallelujah. Because faith and anointing go together. And when you begin to tap into it with your believing and your words, that anointing will begin to remove things off of your life that you've been holding on to for years. Hallelujah. Or that's been holding on to you for years. Because if you believe you're anointed, you'll actually go through life, hallelujah, burden-free, yes. yoke-free, hallelujah. And it's today in this dispensation that that anointing 
is on his body. You are the body of Christ. I hope you're getting something out of this. This isn't something that's, you know, a hot apple pie in the sky and trying to get your hopes up. This is a reality. You are anointed. You don't need another man's mantle. You don't need Benny Hen's coat. Whose do you want? Do you want Moses? You want Elijah? You want Catherine Kuhlman? You want Kenneth Hagin? Who do you want? William Brannan? You want to wear their coat? You want to get into their closet? Or do you want to get into the closet of the Lord Jesus Christ and he puts a robe on you and he puts a mantle on you that's special made for you? What they had was for them, but how about you? Glory to God. I don't know if this is helping someone online, but I hope the right people are watching right now. You don't need to be an anointing chaser. You don't need to be someone that's chasing after another man. You got the Lord Jesus Christ. Just be like David and have a heart after God and have a heart after the the presence of God. And just getting in the presence of Jesus, you'll come out drenched and soaked with the presence, the tangible presence and anointing of God. And others will see Jesus in you. They won't see a mantle on you and bring attention to that it will bring attention to the glory of God I'm preaching better than y'all are amen but this is true Acts 10.38 the anointing how about today Acts 10.38 Jesus, the, the scripture said the spirit of the Lord is a uh, how, put that on the screen I got another one written down here how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Look at that verse. Who anointed Jesus? God anointed Jesus. With what? With the Holy Ghost. How many have the Holy Ghost? You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You have the same person that God anointed Jesus with. You don't need another person in a grave. You got the same Holy Ghost that God used to pour out upon Jesus with power who went about doing good with this power and healing all. That Holy Ghost is on you. Now the problem is, when we start only pointing to ministers, we handicap believers. And how much more effective can we be if we actually empower believers, who's the majority, to go do the work of the ministry with the power of God than just allowing one man for the masses? I think it's good. I think we need to hear it. Now, there's a twofold reason. Some people would rather be lazy and watch someone else do it. Right? And that's in every congregation. They'd rather sit back and say, well, that's for, right? And then there's some minister that they'd rather just take all the glory, right? Because it does bring attention. It does bring attention, and some people are attention grabbers. 
and it makes and appears, causes that one to appear like they're more spiritual. And that's when it's works and performance based. And anytime there's a grabbing type ministry or a <laughs> soaking ministry that's performance based, it always brings attention to the effort made to get that power. I remember one time I was in a meeting and Leroy Thompson was in that meeting. Anybody heard of Leroy Thompson? Man, I love his ministry. I was so blessed with the revelation God gave him. And he looked at me, he said, it's time for you to go. He said, but stay. That was what the Spirit of God said. He said, go, but stay. In other words, stay connected, but time for you to go out in ministry and do what God's called you to do. And another man of God stood up and said, he ain't quite ready, he's still cooking. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, he ain't quite ready, he's still cooking. And then he said, I don't remember the exact number, but it was an odd number. He said, right now he's at an 18%, or it was either 18, 23% anointing and it's the measure's got to come up a little bit more before he goes and I got to thinking you know there's some of these some of these bible schools they're set up to keep people there they, they are they'll start with a two-year then the two-year wasn't enough so we're going to do a third year you know what let's do a fourth year right and why do they do that well first of all they like the tuition coming in I hate to say that, but there's some truth to that because it helps pay the overhead. Or, or why are you even putting people through school? Are you putting them to school to fill your seats? Or are you putting them through school to actually go out and build churches, to empower people, to do the work of the ministry? That's different. To, to start evangelizing, going doing, you know, making them feel like, hey, I can do this. When are you ready to go out and do the works of Christ? 18%? What, what percent is good? How much do you have to soak and suck and grab and work and clean and study? Or can we just read the Bible? What's the Bible say? If you believe on me, the works that I do Wait, wait, wait. He, he must have said, if you believe on me and go to the, the cemetery and soak. He had to have said that because that's what we're doing unless it's not Bible-based. If it's Bible-based, then we can't find it in the Bible, right? Jesus didn't say that. Did he say, if you believe on me and if you give a certain level and you become a top giver in the church, did it, he didn't say that. He must have said that. There has to be some kind of faithfulness attached to God being able to use me. And there is, in a sense, for leadership. But can someone just get saved? I mean, like tonight. Can someone get saved tonight? And all of a sudden, be anointed to go out, preach the gospel, and there be power on that gospel to set someone that was just as much of a sinner as they were before they got saved free. Do they have to go through a three-year maintenance course and be taught how to soak before they can... I'm going to drive this point home because some of us still carry some of this baggage 
and we're such in awe of these people. Whoa, their prayers, man. You could tell their prayer. They got the anointing, man. Look, he's a prophet of God. Oh, my gosh. And we're just so in awe <laughs> to where we're worshiping man and empowering them to only do the work while we sit by and we're just amazed. Wow, there's Moses. Let's build a temple for Moses. There's Elisha. Let's build one for him and you too, Jesus. Or could it be that you can just get saved and go outside those doors and start laying hands on people that are sick and getting them set free and start casting devils out of people and start doing the same works that Jesus did? Could it, is it possible? How do we know it's possible? Because it's in the scripture. We're not making this stuff up. It's in the scripture, right? There are some things in leadership that faithfulness will carry you to another level in leadership. Whole nother message. But when it comes to doing the works of Christ, God needs you being the mouthpiece and the hands that he stretches forth to heal people and you don't have to wear a three-piece suit to do it. You could be a businessman. You don't have to be behind a pulpit. You can be on a Harley. You, can, uh, uh, you don't have to be a, a certain race, certain gender. God uses willing vessels. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And so look at here at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Look at verse. Can we go to verse 16 on there? I, I have 18 written down, but if you go to verse 16, where Jesus came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. Look here. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it's written. Now, that's important. Hold the verse right there in 18. You're fine. But you can find your place in the book. You can find your abilities in the book. You can find what you're qualified to do in the book. You don't have to have another man tell you what you can or cannot do. If you've got permission in the book, you, if you can find it in the book that you're anointed, then that settles it. In fact, if Jesus said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. So if it's in the book and he's settled it once and for all that you're empowered to go do the works of Christ, brother, you're empowered right now to go get people saved, delivered, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, all those things because you're a believer. How much faster could we grow the kingdom if we would all realize God wants to use me and if I could just find out in the book where I'm at and what I can do, I'll go out and do it. How many would, how many would do that? If you could find yourself in the book and you could see that you're supposed to do certain things, would you go out and do it? That's what Jesus found. He found his place, his job, his assignment his label, his qualification, he found it in the book of Isaiah. And it says, this is what he found. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. In other words, once he found it, he confessed it. Yes, 
He preached it. He believed it. He said, I'm anointed. He opened up the book and said, here it is. Here's the proof. I'm anointed. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What was he saying? He said, I found it in the book. I'm anointed. That settles it. Hallelujah. I can't find 18% in the book. But I can find that I got the Holy Ghost in the book, the same Holy Ghost that God anointed Jesus with. I, I found this in the book. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I found out I'm in Christ. And I found out that he that is joined to the Lord is one with the Lord. If I'm one with him, then what's on the head is on the body. I got the same anointing Jesus God. Hallelujah. I may not be operating in all that I know, but my knowledge is increasing. And the more my knowledge increases, the more my faith increases. And the more my faith increases, the more I operate in. And the more I see myself doing the works of Christ. But the more I listen to people that say, you got to do a 30-day fast, lock yourself in the closet, only crackers, saltines on day three. <laughs> if you want the same anointing that A. Allen had, you need to do what A. Allen did. you got to do this and that. You can't have any out, outside communication. Only you and God. <laughs> I remember one service... One of the last meetings brother, with Brother Hagin, we, we had some friends that were coming over in the car with him, and he was just telling jokes in the car and just being funny. And when he got to the back room, someone just, when he walked in, someone, oh my gosh, I feel the power of God so strong. Oh, it's shh, woo, woo, Brother Hagin's looking at him like, they said, brother, you're so anointed. You had to have been praying all the way here. You had to have been praying in tongues all the way here. All day in your room, you had to have been praying in tongues. And one of my friends looked over at another preacher and he said, he's been telling jokes the whole time. We've been laughing hilariously in the car. And Brother Hagin put his head on this lady's, put his hand on this lady's head because she said, anoint me with that same anointing. He said, bless her darling heart, Lord. If you can. That's what he said. He put her hand on said, Lord bless her if you can. <laughs> he's, I think his laughing in the Holy Ghost was more laughing at some of the people <laughs> that were kind of superficial with this stuff instead of just being normal and real. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not against praying. I'm not against sitting and just soaking in the presence of God. But I'm not going to go soak in the presence of a dead man or a dead religion. What do you mean by that? I'm not going to do dead things that produce nothing. If I'm to fast, I'm going to follow the, the, the Spirit of God to do that. But I'm not going to fast to try to get healed. I'm not going to pay a price to try to get something from God. I'm not going to do things to attain more anointing. I'm just going to serve God, love God, stay in the presence of God, put my faith on what's already in the book about me and do what Jesus did 
I could say the same thing right now. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I am anointed. You could wake up every day and thank God because you're joined to the Lord. He that is joined to the Lord has the same assignment, has the same anointing. Jesus has it without measure. You have a measure of understanding that limits the capacity of what you walk in and what you have faith for. But the more your understanding grows as a church, the more you'll walk in a greater connection with that anointing that will minister not only to you but through you. Faith comes where the will of God is known. If you don't know it, you won't flow in it. And if you don't know it, you'll get caught up in this boiling passion for more and find yourself with the masses at the cemetery. It's pretty good preaching. How about Hebrews 13.8? That's a good verse. I like that. How about that? You want to read it? Let's read it. Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. That means the anointing and his, the anointed one and his anointing. That's how this verse starts. I wasn't cursing using his name there. I'm quoting the verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Was Jesus anointed? Was he Christ when he walked on the face of the earth? Did people run to him and want to touch him? And did virtue come from his body and drive out sickness and disease? Did that happen in the scripture? Was he anointed in his earthly ministry? Was that same anointing the anointing that was on David when he slayed Goliath? Was that same anointing the anointing that was on Moses when he split the Red Sea? Was that same anointing the anointing that was on Elijah when he took his mantle and he dried up the, the mud? Yeah, same anointing. But now on him, others are pressing in. They're wanting to touch his mantle. Why? Because when they touched Jesus or whatever was on him, come on, just like those bones collected the residue of anointing that was on Elisha, Jesus had a tangible anointing that would transfer from everything that was touching him on him and those that touched him. And when faith was applied, that anointing and power went into their body and drove out all manner of sickness and disease. Did that happen? I mean, we preach after instance after instance about that. Now, if that happened yesterday, is that available today? According to the scripture, right? And if that's available today, is that available tomorrow and forever? Yes, because his anointing is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You say, well, how is that good news for me right now? If you have any kind of burden, any kind of yoke, or if you come with any kind of problem, you don't need something from a man. Jesus has the same anointing on his body. Hallelujah. In fact, you could have received when Marquise told you to put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder because there's a flow that takes place when you believe by faith and that anointing goes into you, hallelujah, and sets you free. There's an anointing tonight. That's the same anointing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Acts chapter 19, you don't, don't turn there, but let's just, let me just quote this. 
It says how God wrought special miracles. How? By the hands of Paul. What was that? That was a special miracle, a gift of the Spirit, an anointing that flowed through a man. But did it bring attention to Paul or did it bring attention to Jesus? It brought attention to Jesus, right? And any time that these men, for example, in Acts chapter 8, they had a gift on them and people, they, Peter and John, they laid hands on people and they began to speak in other tongues and were filled with the Holy Ghost. And people out there would see it and think, man, I'd like to buy that gift. Remember that? You, you remember the story? They said, how much for us to buy that gift? We'd like to have it. And what did they do? They directed the attention right back to Jesus. Quickly. Why? Because you become susceptible to that unless you bring the attention to Jesus. And so God uses men with the same anointing because men and women are parts of the body. I'm a part, you're a part, I'm a joint. James, you're a joint that supplies. Hallelujah. Steve, you're a joint that supplies. We all have our anointing, right? And with that anointing, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it has the same assignment, and that is to heal the brokenhearted, open up blind eyes, preach deliverance to the captive, glory to God, set at liberty them that are bruised, open prison doors, glory to God, unstop deaf ears, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Can you do that? Yeah. Can we do that tonight? <laughs> yeah, that's what we're about. That's what we're supposed to do. But does it stop here? Is it just something we do up here? No. We got to take this outside, David. I know you, you know this. You do this, man. You, you work on a car and then find someone to, to minister to. That's just how it is. With some people, they got a heart for that. I know you're about that. This church is an outreach church. We're about that. We love outreach. But how much better are we empowered with the power of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit and the understanding of the Spirit of God flowing in us through ministry? How much more effective are we and more powerful are we about converting people, the hearts of people, changing lives with the power of God, healing the sick? How much more effective are we with the move of the Holy Ghost in the church? Much more. And in meetings like this, you could get healed and you could also get ministered to where you get filled up with the power of the Holy Ghost so that, that when you leave this place, you leave charged with some power to put on somebody else. Problem is, is we've got God and we treat God like a gumball machine and we turn that machine and we, what, we want this from God, we want that from God, we want this, we want this and we want that and everything we want is supposed to be added to us. In other words, it's not something we should be going after. These things should be added to us. I get it, we got a faith list. That's all good. But some of that stuff could just be chasing you down with you putting the kingdom business first. I don't know why I'm on this, but I hope this is helping some of us. We got to get busy doing the work of the ministry. We're busy. We got to get busy planning and scheming and coming up with these ideas. We're doing all that. But man, how much easier with everybody involved and equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost to be proof producers of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, 
Some of you parents, your kids need to see you flowing in the Holy Ghost. They need to see the power of God moving too. They need to see that. I'm, I'm talking about the little kids. I, I know when I was a little kid, we were laying hands on our G.I. Joes and they were falling out under the power of God. <laughs> our transformers were being transformed into, into vehicles, man, by the power of God. I, we, were, we were doing things that we seen in church. And now we grow up knowing that stuff is readily available at any time. And we see the curse try to come in even in our homes. And no, that's not acceptable. <laughs> I woke up about 3 o'clock this morning and I hear my wife praying in tongues and saying, no, you don't. No, body, you're normal. And I'm thinking, that's what we know to do. That's all we roll. We don't go to the Google and find, oh, my gosh, and start worrying. No, we deal with it right away, man. I didn't have to say, honey, you all right? Because once she spoke the word, I thought everything's good, man. We ain't, I can go back to sleep. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because <laughs> I know when she says normal, it's normal. I know when I say normal, it's normal. I know when, say, when I say you got to go, it's got to go. Because we're not just saying it out of our head, but out of our spirit with an anointing on our words through a rhema revelation of what we know. When that comes out, praise God, that mountain has to move out of your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we don't need some patty cake type circus church where everybody feels good. No, we need the power of God in our church. Come on, somebody. Not a light show, skinny jean light show. Not against skinny jeans. I just can't wear them. I need to go on a diet. <laughs> I kind of am, though, because I think they work better on the girls. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. That's my message on that. I'm sticking with it. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of that today? Now, uh, back in, I think it was like 96. Let me, let me go back further. When I was, uh, I'll close with this. Did y'all get something out of this? When I was young, my, my mom could attest to this, I had an extreme case of scoliosis. You remember that? And they were talking about putting me in a brace. They were talking about me being inhibited with my walking, different things like that. And they took x-rays, and you could see it. You could see a curvature of the spine. And at a young age, I, I'm so glad I was raised in a power church where we believed in the power of God. You know, they took one of the chairs, and we've all seen it, and you, you've been in the meetings where they pull out the foot and the leg comes out. I've actually seen people pull out the shoe a little bit. To, see that move? <laughs> you see that move? It just moved. As a kid, you know, we're wondering, is that real or did he pull the leg? Or is that guy Gumby and his leg stretch? You know, as a kid, you're, you're kind of wondering what's going on. Some adults, too, they're wondering, I don't know about that. But we had an evangelist come, and he was doing that kind of thing. And one night, it, this is true, right? And I'm a believer of the gifts of the Spirit. And however God wants to operate, there's different operations, diversities of operations. Now, if it's through a chair, 
or, or spitting in mud, putting mud in your eye, whatever. There's different ways, different administrations. So they pulled the chair out, and I didn't feel anything. But he said, there it goes right there. You see that? You've probably seen it. And one of my legs started growing out. And all of a sudden, you know, I knew something happened. My mom knew something happened, so we thought, we're going to go prove this out. Let's go to the doctor. Went to the doctor, took another set of x-rays. That was completely gone. I mean, my back was completely and totally straight. I got to see that as a young child. And you've come too late to convince me that that stuff's not real. You just have, Are there people that pull out the heel of the shoe and stretch it? I'm sure. But man, that day, that was, that was the real deal. I, you probably could tell the story better. But since then, I have, you know, been called to the ministry, started preaching at a young age. Uh, and while I started preaching, we'd, we'd minister to the sick. You know, we always ministered to the sick. And we always ministered to people that had issues in their body. I found out that people that had back problems that would come in our services early on in our ministry would get healed. I mean, just instantly, their back would straighten out, their joints, they had pain in their joints or their shoulders. I mean, we would do some odd, unusual things that the Spirit of God would show us. I remember one time hitting this 80-year-old lady in the back. I'm thinking, why am I doing this? The Lord showed me. And I said, can I, hit, can I touch you? I didn't say hit you. I said, can I touch you in your lower back? She goes, well, that's where the pain is. I said, well, turn around. And I was younger, and I was just kind of going to do whatever God told me. And I just went back, and I just, boom. <laughs> she crumbles to the ground. I thought, dear Lord, you're getting me in trouble. I'll never go back to this church again. She got up totally healed. She got up completely healed. And then the other people started coming up saying, well, I've got this problem in my shoulder. And I got problem in my, my neck and this and, th and that. And, and the Lord would just one after another. And we found that meetings, not just one meeting, but meetings, people would come predominantly for that. And it seemed like there was a special anointing for that on our ministry. Now, I know we have a general anointing to where we can minister to that, but it seemed like we were very effective in that. You know, the Jeffries brothers... One of the Jeffries brothers, if, you, if you've read about any of the generals of faith, one of the Jeffries brothers, he would have meetings with thousands of people and he had a special anointing for something like that. And they said, from like 20, 20 rows back, you, you would start hearing people's bones crack in his meetings. People with rheumatoid arthritis, people with different you know, issues with their joints. You, you could hear God adjusting people's in the service and one day he got he got before the crowd this is who we were talking about earlier Dr. Summerall talked about it he got before the crowd and he said at this point in my life I've got the world at my feet they'll do whatever I say and the very same thing he had an anointing over crippled him until the day he died because he took the glory for what the Lord put on him in other words, you can't touch the glory. You can't take credit for it. You can't get to the point where you say, I got the world at my feet. <laughs> and, and Dr. Summerall was one of the only ones that would visit him in the hospital at that time. If you, read, if you read that book on the pioneers of faith, you'll read about that. And I thought that was interesting. But there are ministers that could come in that have a special anointing for cancer. They, they might deal, 
like specialty ministry where they deal with that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I put a special anointing on you for backs and joints and shoulders. And he told me that a long time ago. So he said, tell the people that. And I thought, why? Because I don't want to bring attention to me. He said, no, so that they'll put their faith in the anointing that I put on you and they'll believe in that anointing and come up and receive from that anointing. So he said, tell the people that. So it's my job to tell people just like J Jesus did the same thing. In his meeting, he said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I mean, what was he doing? He was telling the people, I'm anointed. The anointing's on me. And then back in 96 in La Puente, California, I remember I was with Ed Dufresne, and he said, put your hands out. He said, I'm going to lay hands on you, and the fire of God's going to go into your hands. And there'll be a special anointing for healing that'll be in your ministry from this day forward. He put his hands on me. The fire of God hit me. I did a back flip, back somersault flip, whatever it was. It was, I was not that flexible. <laughs> I'll never forget it though. From that moment on, I knew it just came on me right now. It just came on me. I, I could sense it right now. I knew when that come on me, that that was for a special service in the kingdom for healing the sick. Glory, as, as I'm talking right now, I, and I, I'm not bringing attention to an oil, feathers, anything like that. I'm just saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever type of anointing that Jesus talked about. It's his anointing, and it's for you if you believe. And when hands are laid on you, that anointing will go into your body and drive out all manner of sickness and disease. In fact, you can come up tonight. If you have back issues, you can leave this place tonight without them. You say, well, how you, how you say that so boldly? I know if you come up in faith that there is that special anointing like the special miracles and healings through the hands of Paul on this ministry and the Lord told me to bring attention to it so people would put their faith in it and be healed. Glory to God. Now I was, is this is helping anybody? Because we're talking about the anointing. Do you have to soak for this tonight? Do you have to go to the grave for it tonight? No, you can receive it, right? Same way the woman with the issue of blood did. She said, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Right? Same way. And so I was, we were in Costa Rica having meetings. This is the last thing, and we'll stop and we'll lay hands on the sick. Uh, and we went over. They, they said, we have a pastor in Panama. They want you to come preach. And uh, I said, sure, no problem. If I probably prayed about it, I would have sensed in my spirit that I probably didn't need to go. But uh, we went. We preached the gospel. People got healed. But there was such a bad, evil, evil spirit there. I mean, it was just, there was witchcraft going on the moment we crossed that border. And we went into that church. They really didn't want us there. Didn't want us there. The pastor's wife came up, and I thought, well, she's she got to be in her third trimester. She looks like she's, you know, about ready to deliver, have a baby. Well, come to find out, she wasn't pregnant at all. She had a tumor. And the Lord told me what to do. He said, put your hands, just, just he's, it was like a violent, put your hand. He's, he said, hit that thing with your hand. And I thought, I started arguing with the Lord. I said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> he said, well, you're here, and I've put a special anointing on your hands in 1996. What are you going to do with it? He said, put your hands on her. He literally told me, hit her. 
And I did, and that thing just kind of, shoo. And then they got mad at me. The pastors got mad at me. It's like they, did, they didn't want any miracles. They didn't want any signs and wonders. They didn't want any of that in the church. And I thought, your wife just got healed and delivered, and whatever that was had to have been bad. It looked like it was a, a, a baby. And so I'm thinking they didn't even want me there. But I still was dealt with by God. He said, if you don't use what's on you, that's as far as you'll go with it. I did. She was set free. They ran us out of there and off, and I got across the border as fast as I could and got into Costa Rica because it was about as dark as you can be, as it could be. And I'm, I'm glad I went because someone got freed up. But at the same time, I brought attention to that tonight to let you know if you're here ready to receive and believe that same anointing, it's the anointing of Jesus is present if you believe, and it'll go into your body tonight and drive out all manner of sickness, disease, tumors, glory to God, cancer, hallelujah. Ain't nothing too big for God. It's a faith and healing rally, right? So what are we doing? We're building your faith and your understanding of the anointing that's present, that anointing's present to heal you tonight. If you'll release your faith, you'll receive your healing tonight. Glory to God. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Put your hands to heaven. Say, I believe and I receive from you, Jesus, tonight. I believe, Father, that you put your anointing on men. And men can deliver the goods for me to be set free. And I receive tonight just as if you were here, Jesus, laying hands on me to set me free in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory.